you. Everyone has a purpose in life. There's a motivation. Uh, there's a drive. There's a focus. There's a measure of success that everyone has. And I think it's important that we understand what that motivation is and in your life that you define what that motivation is because it is going to drive you somewhere. It is going to cause you to do certain things. It is going to cause you to, to want to do certain things. I was watching the uh, Ellen DeGeneres show the other day. Have you guys, anybody watch Ellen? Am I the only one? Um, um, sometimes I'm home at 4 o'clock. Sometimes I'm not, right? Um, but I was flipping through the channels and uh, Ellen was on. And she had this little, um, this little rapper kid that was on there. He's 8 years old. And uh, he had gone viral on something. And uh, so she had him on the show, and he rapped for him and everything, and then she interviewed him. And when she interviewed him, what she said, what, what the question she asked was, um, why do you want to be a rapper? Which I thought was a great question, right? Um, and um, this kid's response, I thought, was so apropos for the days. He said, I want a lot of cars and a lot of mansions. <laughs> Eight years old, Right. I want a lot of cars and want a lot of mansions. Ellen's like, oh, really? Where do you want these mansions to be, right? And, of course, uh, he had no idea. But he wanted a lot of cars. He wanted a lot of mansions. You know, and I just, I, I sat back and, and when he said that, my heart just crushed for him a little bit. You, you know, because I'm thinking, it's really not easy getting into the music business. I don't know if you guys realize that or not, but um, it, it's not easy to break through into all that. And for him to have all the success, his measure of success is a lot of mansions and a lot of cars, right? So um, that doesn't happen to a lot of people. So what he's basically doing, unless he's just like some kind of uh, crazy rapper, um, he's probably setting himself up for failure, Right? Um, but, but even if he got all the mansions, you're like, you know, that, that was the next question that Ellen asked him, like, what are you going to do with all these mansions? And he's like, well, I'm going to live in them. Yeah, you know, I mean, like the only he just wanted stuff, man, just get me stuff. And I think if we're not careful, he gets that as an eight year old from the adults. He gets that from us. He gets that from that. That's our motivation. That's what we're trying to do. Over and over again, what Jesus was trying to do with the disciples is he's trying to refocus them and try to get them to understand that money and things are not everything. As a matter of fact, they're not anything. The fact that you have things or don't have things or have money or don't have money in the kingdom of God and in the success of God, that's not what really matters. But the problem is, is that that's what drives us. That's our motivation. Those are the things that we're going after. And so Jesus would say things like this. Your father knows what you need before you ask it. And your father will provide all your needs according to his riches and glory. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't have to be rich. You know why? Because my father's rich. He's got everything. And he's given me everything. I'm a prince and a, and a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. The world, literally, the world is ours if you know Jesus. So my question to you this morning is simply this. What's your motivation? Jesus went on to say this in that same chapter, Matthew chapter 6. He went on to say in, in, in verse number 32, Seek the, the kingdom of God first and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Is there anybody here that would just make testimony and you say, you know what, I feel like 
that I'm a powerhouse in the spirit. I feel like when it comes to my walk with the Lord, that I'm, I'm just a powerhouse. Like people are watching me and, and, and I've got this thing together and I've got my motivations in the right spot. I'm moving in the right direction and people see that in me. I'm just a powerhouse for God. Would anybody say that that is you? Anybody give testimony this morning and say, man, that's me. Listen, let me tell you guys something. When we talk about unleashing the church on the world, we have to become powerhouses for God. Are you with me? That was a great place for an amen. We have to, even if you're not at that point, you should be striving. You should be pressing toward the mark of the high calling of God. But who's doing that? Who's doing that? We are so distracted. We've got so many things on our plate. There's so many things that, that, that the world is constantly trying to pull us. and We're constantly trying to have this and trying to have that. Listen, Kim and I are very, very serious right now about downsizing. Uh, my daughter, praise God, she was able to buy a car, um, bought, a, bought a new car. And, and the car that I gave her is a 1999 uh, Rodeo Isuzu. And I said, please do not give that to the dealer because they will not give you anything for it. Right? I said, if you will, just give it back to me. So she did. She, did. she just gave it back to me. And, and so what we're going to do is we're fixing it up a little bit, putting a little money in it. Kim's going to drive it for work. And we're going to sell one of our cars we got a loan on. Because our intention is to get out of debt. I don't want to have debt. You understand what I'm saying? So we're making these changes in our lives because it's necessary if we're going to be the powerhouses that God needs us to be to unleash on this world. So Jesus was constantly trying to refocus his disciples. Paul was constantly trying to refocus the disciples. John was constantly trying to refocus the disciples. Listen, that was 2,000 years ago. What that tells me is that people are people. It doesn't matter whether you're 2,000 years ago, whether you're today. We still got the same problems. We need to be refocused. And we need to have those messages where we come in. And even though Keith was long-winded last week, one of the things that he said is, man, we got to be sold out. Right? So if we come back to that understanding and we try to put some feet to that, what does it mean to be a powerhouse for the Lord? What does it mean for us not to be distracted by the things of this world? What does it mean for us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? As I was looking around today, I was thinking in my mind, you know, our tagline is ministry runs on the rails of relationships. And I'll be honest with you guys. There's only one way that Reliant is ever going to grow. And that's when we get serious about it growing. Then we start inviting people to come. When we start getting excited about the things that are going on here. When it's not a drudgery on Sunday morning, but it is a pleasure and a privilege for us to serve our God, to serve the one who saved us, and bring others into that relationship that they might come together, hear a word from God that might very well touch their heart. And I'll I'll promise you this. I will be adamant and intentional about bringing messages that people can relate to and that they can focus on and put in their lives. But you got to bring them. You got to bring them. Listen, I'm not asking you to do anything that I myself didn't have not done even last week. You say, wait a minute, you were in Florida last week. Let me tell you how God works. When you seek the kingdom, when your mind is focused on the kingdom, Kim and I went out uh, parasailing, right? And uh, as, we, as we go out uh, parasailing, I didn't call you Karen, that was just a... That was my mouth not doing what my brain was telling it to do. 
I do know that my wife's name is Kim, and it always has been Kim. And it has never been Karen, nor ever will be. Um, okay. Yeah. All right. For you guys on the tape, I was digging a hole. But anyway. All right. So we go parasailing, right? Uh, my my uh, family, they got Kim her ticket, which was really cool for me, right? Because <laughs> it's not cheap, right? We, so we did that, um, and it was uh, an awesome time. But we get on the boat. There's eight other people on the boat, four, four couples that are going to be going out. One of them is a, is a mother and a son. So as we're, you know, going out into the Gulf, everybody's asking the question, hey, where are you from? Where are you from? Right. Um, and so uh, we said, you know, we're from a suburb of Atlanta. And this, this mother says, oh, really? Where at exactly? Which told me she's from Atlanta or at least has lived there or something. And I said, well, we're in Dallas. And she goes, oh, really? Well, so am I. I said, wow, that's amazing. And so we just begin to talk a little bit about uh, her son goes to East Paulding. So they're, you know, right in this area. Uh, I said, man, do you guys go to church anywhere? Just immediately, I said, you know, uh, we're starting a church and it's over there. Do you know where uh, CK Dance Works is? Oh, yeah, I know exactly where that's at. I said, listen, we're starting a, a church there. We're just a young church. We've been open for six months. Do you go to church anywhere? Let me make a long story short because I don't want to spend a lot of time on that. But I, I, I just walked with her a little bit through her challenges of church uh, because, listen, there's a lot of people out there, even pastors who are standing in the pulpit are not powerhouses for the Lord. She was telling me about some churches that she had to leave because the pastor slept with the secretary. And this, listen, this is in our, this is in our, our, our place. You, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and I just had to tell her, I said, I'm sorry that you experience things like that. I'm sorry that that's the Christianity that's been presented to you. There is a better way. Amen. There are people who are genuinely sold out to the Lord. Not like that, but genuinely are. She said, well, the last church that we left, because the pastor was constantly, constantly asking about money. And he's living in this big mansion. It's like, ah, right? I said, I get it. Come try us. Come check it out. So Kim began to talk to her. We friended each other on Facebook. And... Um, um, and then Kim says, hey, I'll tell you what, you've got a 10-year-old daughter. Why don't you guys come to the Halloween festival uh, that's coming up on, on October 22nd? Have a trunk or treat, going to have all kinds of games. And that. She said, you know what? I think we will go to that. She got on her phone. Yeah, she, she got on her phone. She put the date in there. She's going to be here on October 22nd. And we're going to get to meet her. I'll get to introduce you to her. I'm on a parasailing trip in Florida. Right? But here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's always on my mind. It's always on my mind. See, you can't, you can't get into that mode where you switch it on and switch it off. It's got to be either you're living for the kingdom or you're living for the world. On your sheet there, one of, the, one of the verses that I put at the very top is Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 16 that says that you can't walk in the flesh and walk in the spirit. You can't do both. You're going to have to choose. And if you looked at verse number 17, it would say they are contrary one to the other, that you war against that flesh in, in yourself and the spirit in you. There's a war going on. And my question to you is, who's winning the war? And I think that if we were honest this morning and we really sat down and we really, we really talked about it, I think most of us would say, I think my flesh is winning. But here's the problem. Why? When you have the victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why would the flesh be winning whenever Jesus said, all power is given unto you? 
When Romans chapter 6 says, listen, don't yield your members as members of unrighteousness and unto sin, but unto the Lord God who saved you. We got to win. Are you with me? We've got to learn to win and walk in the spirit of God that we might be the powerhouses that God desires for us to be. And this is something, this is a problem that's been happening, like I said, for the last 2,000 years. As Jesus sat down, he said, listen, don't seek after the things that the Gentiles seek. And as we get into Ephesians chapter 4, and I want you to take your Bibles and turn there to Ephesians chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible this morning, we have some for you. Just hold up a hand, we'll get one to you. It's bookmarked in Ephesians, you don't even have to try to find it. We need one over here, Chris, if you'll get one over there. Anybody else need one? All right, we got another one over here too. So if you'll just get one for these guys, just kind of hold your hand up so Chris knows where to bring them. Uh, It'll be earmarked right there in that passage, Ephesians chapter 4. Now, let me just give you a little bit of history on where we've come so far. All right. In the book of Ephesians, this is what we've learned. There's three types of people according to the Bible. There's the Jews, God's chosen people. There's the Gentiles, which is everybody else. How many of you guys are Gentiles this morning, meaning that you're not Jewish? Anybody? I, as far as I know, I'm not. Right? Okay? So there's there, those two types of people. Then there's one other kind of person in the Bible, and that's the church. Those that are born-again believers. And it doesn't matter whether you're a Jew or whether you're a Gentile. If you've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, received Him into your heart, you've now given up rights to your life, and your life is no longer yours. It's bought with a price, the blood of Jesus. And you've given it to Him, and He gave you His life. That's quite an exchange, right? Then now you have come into that third party, which is the church. And that's what we're going to talk about. And so Paul is trying to get them to understand, okay, you used to be a Jew, you used to be a Gentile, but now you've come together, and now you're a part of one body, you're a part of Christ. And how do we live together? And so he's trying to get them to understand that. So here's what he says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 17. He says this. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as Gentiles do. Now when we talk about a walk, we talk about a path. Right? What path are you walking? When he says you can no longer walk like the Gentiles, what that means is is that there's got to be a change in your motive, in your purpose, in your meaning in life. And if that's not happened, listen, I'll be honest with you. We need to stop and we need to question, where are your motives coming from? If they're not coming from the Lord, then where are they coming from? If they are coming from the flesh, then I'm going to ask you this very simple question. Who is in charge of your life? Who's in charge? The scripture goes on and he says, he says, we can't continue to walk as the Gentiles do in the in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. And they have become callous and have given themselves up to uh, sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Listen, is that not the society that we live in? Like most of you can't go to work without somebody bringing up some kind of nasty joke on their phone or nasty picture, uh, passing it around the office, passing it around the workshop, uh, whatever it is, man, it's just, it's constantly around us. Our country literally 
has done everything that they can do to go greedy and hard after sensuality. And all you got to do is read Romans chapter 1 and you see that the end of that is death. They've forgotten God. They've forgotten the things of God. They're, they're not concerned with the things of God. Listen, they're definitely not powerhouses for God. And somehow we think as the church that we can go right along with the flow of the Gentiles and all of their sensuality and all the stuff that they're doing and somehow still be powerhouses for God. Let me tell you something. It's not going to happen. And I believe, and this is one of the reasons why I believe that God desired for us to start a church. Listen, he didn't just desire for me to start a church. That's why you're here. He desired for us to start a church, to show this community that there is something greater than just going through the motions when it comes to Christianity or just giving money on Sunday or or just getting to heaven. There's more to it than that. There's a relationship with God that you need. But here's what we know about the Gentiles. And here's the first thing I want to I give to you guys. The first point is this. You've got to put off your old self. You have to put off your old self. Now, here's what we know. When you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, when you say, Lord, I need you. I realize that I'm a sinner. I turn my life over to you. There is an exchange of authority that happens, right? And when that exchange of authority happens, what you need to do is put off that old man. Now, if you're looking at your sheet, do me a favor and pull up that, pull up that diagram that I brought here. I want you guys to pull that out. Now, if you'll notice, right here where it says man's spirit, and then it says the Holy Spirit, which is truth. Before a person gets saved, this is cut off right here, where you're not receiving any truth from the Holy Spirit. The only thing that you're receiving is things from this world and from this world system, right? So many people are governed by their emotions. It's from the outside in. I'm hungry. Uh, I, I'm, feeling, uh, I, I'm, I'm feeling sensual today or whatever the case is. It's the lust of the flesh. It's the lust of the eyes and the pride of life that's all coming at you all the time, right? Uh, and listen, the world makes sure that it's always coming at you all the time. And so we're governed by that lust and we're governed by our flesh over and over again. But here's the thing. When you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, then all of a sudden the pathway of truth is opened up again. And what you didn't have before is now you've got the Holy Spirit who's giving you truth through the Word of God. And He's saying to you, we don't do that anymore. We do something else. There's another direction that we travel. There's something else that we do. And all of a sudden, you start getting from the inside, you start getting the truth that then works its way out through the body and manifests itself or flesh itself out. Where now God, Jesus, the power of Christ comes out of you instead of the world controlling you. Does that make sense? Okay, the problem is, is that a lot of us, we're controlled so much by our emotions, by our insecurities, by the things that are going on in our flesh, that we're not even listening to the Spirit. We're not listening to what the, what the Spirit has to say or the direction that He's trying to take us. So we're walking a path of flesh instead of a path of the Spirit. It's exactly what He's describing here. But listen, He says... 
you, can't, you can no longer walk the ways of the Gentiles and do the things of the Gentiles. And here's the reasons why he gave for that. And I've just listed out four of them here that come straight out of that scripture. The first one, it's all about the mind. And if you look right in the middle of that page, what it's going to say is the battle is in the mind. You believe that? The battle's in the mind. Okay? So you're either going to win this Christian life or you're going to lose this Christian life because of what you decide. You're either going to yield to the flesh or you're going to yield to the spirit, but you have to decide. God's not going to make you yield to the, fl- to the spirit. He's not going to make you do that, nor are you no longer bent or, or have to yield to the flesh. You choose. So we have these phrases that we use of the devil made me do it or the devil's really after me. You know what most of the time's happening? You're just losing to your own flesh. You're just letting the flesh decide. Where what you need to say is no, even though I feel that way, even though I want to do that, that's not the right thing to do. I'm going to walk after the ways of the Lord. I'm going to be a powerhouse for God. You know all that takes? I love the fact that Jesus said, listen, my commandments are not grievous. Let me give you a couple of examples. Quit lying. Right? Don't lie. You say, well, how do you get through, the, through life without lying? Do you know that some people have to lie every day? I'm just being, I mean, come on, be honest. Like, like you, if you say to them, hey, why were you late? They're going to give you some kind of lame excuse instead of the fact I overslept or whatever. You know? Let me just let me go on with these things of putting off the flesh. Here, here's the reason why that, that the Gentiles don't. They have a mindset that's darkened. I want you to catch this. It's darkened, it's void of understanding, and it's ignorant of God. The reason why the Gentiles, without God, alienated from God, walk in the ways that they walk is because they don't understand the things of God. But listen, can I, can I just share something with you? Isn't it a blessing that God came along and he said, you know what, I don't want you to live in darkness. So I'm going to take the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to take a piece of myself, the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to put it on your inside. I'm going to put it in your soul. So that you have the light of the Lord Jesus Christ living in you. You see, as a Christian, we don't get to claim ignorance. Gentiles, they can claim ignorance, right? I don't, I don't know God. I don't know anything about God. I don't know all those things. But listen, when you become a Christian and the Holy Spirit now indwells you, you no longer have that excuse because now you have been enlightened with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That brings responsibilities to us. You see, but in the Christianity that we live today, you know what people want to do? They want to take all of the light of the Lord, but then they don't want to shine. They, they want all of, the, all of the resources of heaven for their life, but they don't want to do anything for the kingdom. Do you honestly think that God wants to promote your flesh? Listen to me. Sometimes we get real excited about God giving us these jobs and and, and whatever it is. And listen, I'm not even saying that money is bad. The Bible does not say that money is bad. What the Bible says is that the love of money is the root of all evil. 
If, if what you're doing is just for money, you need to check your motives. You need to figure out what is, what is motivating you in those kind of things. But listen, there are times where God says, listen, if I can trust you to build my kingdom, I'll give you all of the resources necessary to make that happen. But for most of us, in all honesty, if God were to bless us materially, we would turn it and we would use it for our flesh. Instead of using it for the spirit. We'll talk a little bit more about that next week. As we, as we come to this understanding of how to be a powerhouse for God. How to change our mind. And listen, I'm not even necessarily coming down on you this morning. Because I realize that that causes us to swim upstream. Because the world is constantly telling you something else. I get it. Every other voice in your head is saying, make as much money as you can. Get a bunch of cars. Get a bunch of mansions. I get it. But you're never going to be a powerhouse for God that way. What you're going to have to do is you're going to come back and you're going to have to understand, am I really building the kingdom of God with this life that God has given me? With the job that God has given me? Am I really focused on the kingdom and not focused on my own kingdom? And really that's what it's all about. I mean, we even use phrases like, I'm the king of my castle. Are you really? See, I'm not the king of anything. The best I can do is be a good servant. But see, our, our pride, right? That pride wills up and says, no, I'm going to do my own thing. Yeah, that's exactly what Satan said. We've got to be careful about that. A mindset of darkness being void of understanding and ignorance of God. A mindset that's uh, of hardness and calloused toward God and God's people. A hardness and a callous. I, you know, I wonder... I wonder this morning, even as you're sitting here, are you searching your heart this morning? Because I'll be honest with you, I think in in the amount of people that we have right here, there are some that are just biding the time. This is going to go till about 11.45. And at 11.45, he's going to shut up. And we're going to be able to go do something else. We'll be able to go eat or whatever. So I'm going to bide my time because this is what I'm supposed to do. Listen, this is the time that you need to be searching your heart to see, am I on the right path? Am I walking the right way? But you know what's happened? Listen, let me be real honest with some of you. You've gotten hard. You've gotten calloused to the things of God. These words that preachers say, you've heard them so many times, but yet it never affects your life. It never causes you to be moved and and do something different in the ways of the Lord. You're still the same old you. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. That's not God's fault. That's your choice. That's your decision. But to move forward in the things of God and for you to sit back and say, wait a minute, I'm going to be better than that. I want to be a powerhouse for God. I'm going to press toward the high calling of God. Do you realize, listen to me, I'm being very serious. The Bible specifically says that the devil is wandering to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. How many of you guys have heard that? Let me tell you something that you've not heard as much. The Bible also says that the Lord himself is going throughout all the earth, seeking to and fro. It says the exact same words. To to see who he can show himself strong to. Let me explain. The Lord is also looking. The devil's looking to destroy. The Lord's looking to promote. The devil wants to tear you a new one. The Lord wants to build you up. 
Who can I show myself strong to? Do you not think it's going to be that humble person? Do you not think it's that person who says, Lord, my life is not my own. I'm bought with a price. I'm going to glorify you in everything I do. Everything I get is yours. Everything I do is for your benefit. God, would you show yourself strong to me? Listen, he's looking. He's searching for people like that. My fear is that we're coming back to that Genesis chapter 6 passage where the Bible says that God looked down on man and and the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually and it repented God that he had even made man on the earth. My my fear is is that we're we're moving back toward that kind of a, a thing where God's like, you know what, I keep looking, man. It's this church, you know, like, okay, if I start this church, man, are they really going to be powerhouses for me? Are they, are they really going to submit themselves unto me so that we can do something amazing? Because God says, I'm ready. I'm ready. I have all the resources. I'm ready. But the people say no. Listen, when you read the stories in the scriptures, you know what you find over and over again? That God chose a people out of nothing, the, the, the Jews. And he says, listen, I'm going to do a mighty work through you. I'm going to make you a mighty nation. I'm going to give you what no other country has. I'm going to give you myself. And yet they rebelled. And the Bible says that they murmured. They were constantly complaining about their lives when they had all the blessings. They wouldn't go into the promised land. They wouldn't do what God had asked them to do over and over again. Is that us? Listen, what's going to happen to reliance? See, I, I'm at the place in my, in my life where I look past my life, right? I want Reliant to be one of those churches where they say, man, listen, there's some powerhouses over there. Those people, they're serious about serving God. Because listen, what's going to happen is you're going to find God's power. You did not hear what I said. If you will follow after the Lord with all of your heart and seek Him first with all of your heart, you will find that God will give you His power in your life. Some of you guys are struggling to find it. As a matter of fact, some of you guys are are even getting mad at God because you think He should give you power. But He's not going to give it for your flesh. He's not going to give it for your kingdom. He's not going to give it for your glory. Now the devil might do that because that pulls you away from God. But that submissive soul is the one that God gives it to. So the first thing that you're going to have to do is you're going to have to put off, put off that old self. The second thing you're going to have to do is you're going to have to renew your mind. You're going to have to renew your mind. Have you figured out yet that you can't trust the way you think? Listen, we're tainted with sin, man. (laughs) And I'll be the first one to tell you, you need to understand that Pastor Bill deals with his own sin every day. I'm just going to tell you straight out, you need to know that, uh, that, that I got vices just like everybody else. Can I be honest with you this morning? Listen, but here's the thing. Through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, I don't have to yield myself to sin, but I do have to yield myself to the Spirit. It's a conscious choice that needs to be made. You need to renew your mind. I don't trust my mind. My mind is constantly corrupt. It's constantly thinking evil thoughts. 
me and my brother both say this, if you ever really knew what I was thinking, if you could get into my brain, I probably wouldn't be your pastor. I probably wouldn't even be your friend. You understand what I mean? Do you understand what I mean? Listen, I, I'm, I'm hoping that you guys, again, that you're searching your heart because I got a feeling that you're the same. That we don't even like, I don't even like my own thoughts. Are you with me? I don't even like that. But here's the thing. Because I don't trust that, it's very easy for me to become dependent on God's mind and renew my mind with the scriptures. Romans chapter 2 and verse number 2 says, uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse number 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may, may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The only way that you're going to perform the will of God is when you renew your mind. If you keep thinking the way that you've always thought, you're going to continue to do the things that you've always done. You have to change your thought because the battle is in the mind. I want you guys to take that sheet home today and I want you to pray over it. And I really want you to consider where am I getting my information? Where's it coming from? Because it's important that we start to renew our mind. Listen, that's why we have the Bible classes. That's why we have discipleship. That's what all of that is about. Is that, okay, we understand that every single person coming to Christ has got this corrupted mind. Everybody, I don't care who you are, needs to be renewed. Would you agree with that? Everybody. I don't care where you're at. I don't care what you've done in your life. Everybody needs that renewal of your mind. And listen, that's a continual process. Because let me tell you something, your flesh is just, just as corrupt today as it's always been. You say, well, you don't understand, I've been saved for many years now. I'm telling you that sin is right at the door. That all you have to do is yield to that flesh because it's sitting right there waiting. If you don't know that, then you're already in danger. But you come back to that place and you say, wait a minute. If I'm really going to be that powerhouse, I'm going to yield to the spirit and I'm not going to yield to the flesh. You have to decide. So we put off that old, that old man. And I love what he says here. Look, look, uh, look at back at Ephesians chapter four in verse number 20. Ephesians four in verse number 20 says this, but that's not the way that you learned Christ. He says, listen, don't do what the Gentiles do because they've got this hardness of their heart. They're darkened. He lays all that stuff out. He says, but, but you're different. He says, you're different. That's not the way that you've learned Christ. Listen, if you've sat under pastors that have taught you how to walk well in the flesh, then you've not sat under the right people. That's not the way that you've learned Christ. Christ is different. We put off the old man so that we might put on the new man. But listen... You can't put on the new man over your old man. It doesn't work that way. You have to shed the one so that you can live in the other. You can't wear both of the coats at the same time. It doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. That's not the way you learned Christ. The Spirit teaches us Christ. The Word of God teaches us Christ. That's what he's put me in your life for, to help you to understand this is what the new life looks like. These are the decisions that you need to make. Listen, 
even in the time that you first come to Christ and you're first learning how to walk this new walk, you know what you need? You need somebody that's a little bit farther down the road in wisdom to say to you, that's not the way we do it according to the scriptures. That's not the way God does it. Let me help you with that. Because you probably don't know enough of the scriptures at that moment to really understand how to change your mind. So what do you do? You, you go to that spiritual leader of yours and you say, what would you do in this situation according to the word of God? This is what I would do. We call that counseling. Right? Um, do you realize that I still have guys in my life that I counsel with because I don't trust myself? Right? And listen, I don't want you to get the wrong impression. Your pastor's not like all off in sin. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm telling you is, is that I just realized that sin is there. I just realized it's there. And, and listen, I, I'm, not going to, I'm, I'm not going to give the devil place in my life because I'm not realizing who he is or what is going on around me. The Bible teaches us to walk circumspectly, to know what's going on. And I'm telling you, sin is all around. That's not the way that we've learned Christ. So he goes on in verse number 22. Look at verse number 22. He says, he says, to put off your old self, right? So I'm not just making these up. These are straight from Scripture. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. So the very first thing that you've got to do is you've got to realize that your old flesh, there's no good in it. And you need to put it off. You need to call it what it is. You need to talk about it the way that it is. Some of you guys, the way that you lived your old life, listen, it's despicable, it's disgraceful in the eyes of the Lord. And praise God, there's Jesus. Right? Praise God for forgiveness. Listen, I don't care where you come from. Listen, God's not saying if you've ever walked that old life that you can't walk the new one. No, quite the opposite. Because you've learned Jesus, you have the ability now to put off the old life. Praise God. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And we can now walk in this newness of God. But you have to choose. So he says, put off this old self, which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So here's the new mindset that we have. The new mindset is this. Number one, we're enlightened. When we put on the new self, we're enlightened with Jesus Christ. You now have Jesus living with you, speaking with you, talking with you. It's a sad thing when you have an entrance into the throne room of God, but yet you will never pray. Why would that be? When you have all power from on high, why would you not approach the throne of God? You've now been enlightened. You, know, you understand the scriptures. Do you realize that the Bible says that these scriptures are spiritually discerned? That the person that's without God, the natural man, he doesn't understand the things of the scripture. But you do. You can get it. But yet we never open the book. We never open the book. So we have this enlightened mind. We also have a mindset of, of acceptance in the, in the family of God. You become a part of God's family. You're different than the guy that you go to work with. I'm telling you. Don't you know that? Can't you see the difference in your life? 
the things that you understand, the wisdom that God brings into your life. And listen, some of that just comes straight from the Spirit. And you know that there's a difference between the way this guy thinks and the way that you think. Because your mind has been enlightened. You're now accepted in the family of God. Let me give you another one. It's a mindset of righteousness and holiness before the Lord. Now I'm going to stop here for a second. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 6. I'll bring this one up on the screen for you. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 6 says this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. You know who said those words? Who said those words? Jesus said that, right? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for you shall be satisfied. Hungering and thirsting. You know what that means? That means when you find things that are wrong in your life, that you're determined to fix them. You're determined because of your relationship with God, because you've been enlightened, because God has has brought you into the family of God, that you sit back and you say, wait a minute, I've been enlightened. I realize that this is not right. I'm going to take the high road. I'm going to take the path of God, and I'm going to fix these things in my life. I hunger and thirst after righteousness. Too many people are going to walk out of church this morning all over this world and they're going to go right back to the swine pit and they're going to go right back to doing the things that they did before. It would not even surprise me if somebody's going to walk out of this room today and go watch pornography this afternoon. That's the time in which we live. But where are the powerhouses for God that say, you know what? I'm going to renounce the hidden things of dishonesty. I'm not going to walk in craftiness. I'm not going to walk in deceit any longer. I'm going to follow God. And I'll guarantee you this, guys. If we have a church where the majority of our people, and I would never expect 100%. I wish, but I would never expect. But if the majority of our people would say, I follow God. I hunger and thirst for His righteousness. For His holiness. You know know what Jesus says? You will be satisfied. You ought to do a study every time that the Bible says blessed. You want to be blessed? How many of you guys want to be blessed? Of course, right? Right? Blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. Psalm chapter 1 said, Blessed are those who meditate on His law day and night. They're like a tree planted by the river where their leaves never wither. And and, and they have an abundance because God blesses them. Be blessed. Why? Because we're powerhouses for God. Because when God goes to and fro throughout the earth, seeking those that He can show Himself strong, that He says, man, I'll take a John. I'll take a Bill. I'll take a Chris. I'm going to show myself strong to them. And all of a sudden, the power of God is on your life. And you're witnessing like you've never witnessed before. You're understanding the Scriptures like you've never understood before. Your path is very clear when it comes to the things of righteousness. Because God is with you. And your confidence is with Him. I think we're cheating ourselves. In all honesty. I think we're cheating ourselves. 
because we've just not decided. It's not that God has not been there for you or given you the right power. you just not decided. The last thing I want to share with you is this. It's a mindset of heavenly desires. I'm going to take you to one more scripture. A mindset of heavenly desires. Here, here's here's one, another one of those where Paul, you just see this constant as he's trying to refocus all the churches. So I want to take you over to Colossians. And the book of Colossians was written at the same time that he wrote this book of Ephesians from jail. And, and when you look over at Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 1, it says this. If then you have been raised with Christ. Now, let me stop right there. If you're sitting in here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Listen, maybe you've been walking the ways of the world and for some reason you've stumbled in here this morning. And you need to understand God and you're trying to understand the things of Christ. I'm telling you right now, there is a high road that this world will not tell you about. There is a broad path that all the world is walking and they're all walking into destruction. But the Bible says there is a narrow way. And that narrow way is Jesus. And few there be that find it. And I'm asking you this morning that if you've not been raised in Christ, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, that you would walk the narrow way with Him today. That you would choose the right path. And God will be with you. God will help you. Man, there's a lot of people on the Broadway. They're busting the doors open on the Broadway. Without God. Alienated from God. No understanding. Callous. Hard. Dark. Is that where you want to be? Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you say, that's where I am. And I'm telling you, take the shortcut, the cross of Jesus, and come over to the narrow way. People say, well, you got all kinds of rules and you got all kinds of regulations and you got all this kind of stuff. Listen, I don't care which road you're walking. There's rules on both roads. Come on. There's rules on both roads. Why not walk with God? Why not take that path? But listen, if you are sitting here this morning and you are raised with Christ, you understand that there was a time that you were dead in your trespasses and sins and now you've been resurrected. You've been brought from death to life. You've, you, you've, had the, you, you've gone from darkness to light where the light of Christ has now been put in your heart. This is what he says. He says, if you've been risen with Christ or raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds. Remember, the battle is in the mind, right? Set your mind on things that are above, not on things on the earth. For you have, for you have died and your life is hid with Christ and God. Listen, I have no life outside of Jesus. So here's what he says then. Seek the things that are above. Listen, it's a whole lot more important to me that you have a relationship with God than any mansion I could ever get. Listen, I'll give it all up. I'll give it all up if you come to Christ. That's what my life is about. And let me tell you what goes on in the back of my mind. That's not even possible. Because even if I give up all the worldly things, I'm still a joint heir with Jesus. So what does this world mean? Why would I hold on to it? 
Do you realize that the house that I live in has been owned by three people? I'm the third owner of that house. If I lived in that thing for another 20 years until the day I die, somebody else is going to own that house. I can fix it up and I can make the basement all, you know, my man cave and I can do all that stuff to it. But the truth of the matter is I better enjoy it now because I'm not going to enjoy it forever. It's going to be somebody else's. And that person might come in and just rip it all out and say, this is old style and I'm going to do something new. And... But don't you understand how much time that, that was really precious to me? I spent a lot of money on that. They don't care. We focus so much like the Gentiles on things that don't matter. You want real fulfillment? You want real joy? Start working on your mind. Start hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Then you're going to find the strength of the Lord in your life to do something amazing.